know now that in the early years of the 20th century, this world was being watched closely by intelligences greater than man's, yet as mortal as his own. We know now that as human beings busied themselves about their various concerns, they were scrutinized and studied, perhaps almost as narrowly as a man with a microscope might scrutinize the transient creatures warm and multiply in a drop of water. With infinite complacency, people went to and fro over the earth about their little affairs, serene in the assurance of their dominion over this small, spinning fragment of solar driftwood, which by chance or design, man has inherited out of the dark mystery of time and space. Yet across an immense ethereal gulf, minds that are to our minds as ours as the beasts in the jungle, intellects, vast, cool, and unsympathetic, regarded this earth with envious eyes, slowly and surely drew their plans against us. In the 39th year of the 20th century came the great disillusionment. Near the end of October, business was better. War scare was over. More men were back at work. Sales were picking up. On this particular evening, October 30th, the Crosley service estimated that 32 million people were listening in on radio. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. This is episode number 83, uh, entitled A Search for E.T. Uh, during this episode, we're going to be talking about... Um, What the actual possibility of spacecraft and aliens making contact with uh, us prior to um, the 1980s. One of the projects that we're going to kind of look at is a a project uh, Aquarius. Uh, Project Aquarius was established in um, 1953 by uh, President Eisenhower under the control of the NSC and MJ-12, later in 66. MJ-12 was a group of professional teachers, astronomers, engineers, medical personnel, it was basically designed in 1947 to um, research and put input onto any unidentified flying uh, aircraft. And the 1947 up to um, the early 50s was, was somewhat interesting because what happens in this case is we uh, mistakenly put Area 51 as a pinnacle or the datum point for all of this type of research, which is not really the truth. Um, you have to remember, the Roswell, the reported crashes of Roswell were in 47. Um, <clears throat> there were other crashes, and we'll get to those, um, prior to um, Area 51 even being built. 
<clears throat> 51 for the most part wasn't uh, area 51 wasn't actually um, built until uh, 1955 <clears throat> which leaves a lot of questions or a lot of open holes because we seem to relate the uh, Roswell crash of 47 with uh, area 51 which um, so my thought my thought on that is okay well so if we got spacecraft and we got dead alien bodies where, where the heck were they before uh, 1955 <clears throat> well let, let's get to um, uh, project Aquarius and there's a reason I, I bring it up and I'll get to that later the information contained in this document classified top secret with uh, ORC con which means only the original original writer of the document can release documents uh, <clears throat> we went over um, we went over MJ's 12 the access to project Aquarius they were a big part of it <clears throat> page one of the report contains 16 volumes of documents and information collected uh, <clears throat> by the United States investigation of when I identified flying objects or UFOs um, it also identifies alien crafts, IACs. Uh, the project was originally designed in 53, like I said, by Eisenhower, uh, under control of the NSC, and MG-12. Um, for some reason, um, after 47, we had other projects. We had, uh, you know, we had Area 51, uh, not 51, but project, um, Blue Book, the Blue Book Project Blue Book, which was, uh, I think that was 52 to uh, 69. <clears throat> there were 1,216 uh, sightings. And remember, just remember the dates from that, uh, 52 to 69, and you'll see why I'm talking about that later. Um, the project uh, uh, grudge was originally funded by the uh, CIA uh it was originally uh, classified as secret, but it was upgraded to its present, uh, present classification 69 after Project Blue Book closed. Um, and basically, what they're trying to tell you here is that you're not going to get any information. <clears throat> uh, the, first, the first notable contact with what we consider unidentified flying saucers... Uh, UFOs, whatever you want to designate them as, was um, over the Cascade Mountains in Washington State, uh, where nine uh, flying disks uh, were identified by Air Force Intelligence uh, Center of the Army, <clears throat> the Army Air Force Base, because because there were concerns uh, over what these actually were. Um, you have to remember uh, after World War. One and two, there was a lot of um, a lot of espionage, a lot of spying going on. There were a lot of people. Um, the United States, you know, had had its handful of trying to keep up with what development of technologies of other countries. Um, it says on 47, an aircraft of extraterrestrial origin crashed in the desert of New Mexico. And the crash itself was recovered by uh, the military. There were four alien, and they have non-homo sapien bodies. <clears throat> and you know what the really 
whack thing about this is um, they report the object that crashed in uh, 47 as a uh, either a silent um, an air silent device made by the United States military to uh, attempt to gain information via Russian radio signals, radar, what have you, basically as a stealth with no with no engines, no anything with this, basically a, a stealth vehicle. Um, it's interesting because um, there was a document, and it, it's only labels attachment one. Editor note uh, referenced uh, attachments were included in the information provided by uh, Lee Graham. Don't know who he's. He is, but I would suspect he's somebody that has to do with <clears throat> that. Now, the interesting thing with that is a lot of people don't know this, was that there was a rumor at one time going <laughs> going on, and I, I don't believe this uh, <clears throat> for a bit, but that the Russians had placed um, four children that were biologically... Uh, the right term to use, biologically changed to look like uh, aliens from another planet. They put them on this uh, craft that crashed, and boom, 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 there you go. Uh, <clears throat> believable? No, because if you do, if you did an autopsy, you would immediately identify them as uh, humans, so that's, uh, that's just a line of crap. <clears throat> 49, there was another... Uh, reported a crash of a, a, a saucer. Uh, it was recovered partially intact by the military. An alien of extra, extraterrestrial origin had survived the crash. The alien survived was a male and called and called itself EBE. Um, the, the, the alien was thoroughly interrogated by um, military intelligence at a base in New Mexico. The alien's language was translated by means of pictographs. Uh, wouldn't say that's very. I, I don't believe. I don't believe that. It just um, listen. Either you understand what the bastard's saying, or he's drawing pictures. One or the other. You can't interpret his language by by pictures. You know. I mean, that's just that's just hocus pocus. Um, but here's an interesting thing. I want you to keep this in, in mind, because, and you'll see where I'm going with this later. It was learned that the alien came from uh, a planet in the Zeta Reticuli star system. Uh, approximately, they say 40 uh, light years from Earth. It's actually 39.8. However, where the wind blows and the bullshit flew, flew is the... Up until today, even with our high-powered telescopes and uh, satellites that are out there, there are no known planetary systems in uh, in that constellation, uh, the Reticuli constellation. So I don't know where this came from. E.B. lived until June 18th of 52. He died of an unexplained illness. Um, 
he provided valuable information regarding space technology origins of the universe. Ex exobiology matters. Further, further details is contained in attachment number two, which we don't have. We don't have one or two. <clears throat> but my question being is, you know, nothing for nothing. I mean, this is an official document, supposedly, or, or a uh, brief synopsis of, of documents. Um, it really doesn't tell you shit. I mean, it, I mean, <clears throat> you know. If he was from a planet, what's a planet called? Where where is the exact location in the constellation Reticuli? Because our even up today with our high power telescopes and stuff, there hasn't been a planet identified. You know, so and I don't think the means of drawing pictures like you know puts put sand in an old. Uh, six-pack box and, you know, case and, you know, let's draw some pictures with a stick. Don't believe that, that, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I'm not, I'm not believing it. Not that I don't believe that there's not other life out there. I'm just, I, I just think the military, I think they're all, you know, I think they drink too much sometimes and come up with this crap because nobody normal would think of this shit. Uh, <clears throat> it says recover of alien aircraft led to the United States on an extensive investigative program to determine whether these aliens posed a threat. Well, I'll tell you what. Eisenhower was afraid shitless of these things. He thought that these were the... Um, he thought that the, these, these beings, or whatever we want to call them, uh, was death within itself. So... Uh, but here again, we keep jumping back to 49. Uh, newly created Air Force uh, initiative, a program, uh, initiated a new program. They actually initiated several programs. Uh, 49 was Grudge, um, then Sign, and finally Blue Book. The problem with Blue Book is you have to understand, <clears throat> at the time of Blue Book, and we'll get into this when we cover Area 51 a little bit, um, people have a really distorted interpretation of what Area 51 was, uh, including uh, Bob Lazar and, and George Knapp and Jeremy Colbell and all of these other car salesmen who, you know, want to make shit out of nothing to sell books. So, but um, we'll get there. We'll get there in a little while. 90% uh, of the estimated 1,200 reports analyzed by the United States uh, Air Force, this is uh, for Project Blue Book, were considered hoax, hoaxes. You have to remember, a lot of these aircraft were reported by <clears throat> other uh, pilots, commercial planes. The experimental aircraft that were being developed at that time on Area 51 were able to get an, an average altitude of 60,000 feet, which is unheard of. So, if you're flying a plane that's at 40,000, and you, you're going higher than anywhere else, and you see this thing up there, you know, good 20,000 feet, of, uh, you know, an altitude above you, of course you're going to think it's a UFO. So, I, I do agree with that statement made by the Army. Yeah, <clears throat> the majority of these were, um, were just misrepresentations of what these people were seeing. Um, 
attachment three really doesn't tell us crap. You know, it's just uh, oh, well, here's a good one. Yeah, it, it, there is a good one. Uh, <clears throat> there was an an alien spacecraft or aircraft. See, here here's my issue, right? If it's alien, and this is why I'm saying sometimes you know you have to read the way people write things to interpret what they're actually thinking at the time. If it was a spacecraft, right? This says a third alien aircraft. It doesn't say spacecraft. This says aircraft. Aircraft flies in our air. You know, not beyond the not beyond the atmosphere, but within our, you know, our air. So if I if I found a spacecraft, I would word this: the United States recovered a third alien spacecraft. Because why? Because it can maneuver through space. Aircraft is a telltale sign that somebody was not thinking while they were bullshitting. But it was found in the desert of Utah. Now here's another issue. Why are all these crashes geographically within only a few different states? Uh, Well, you got Arizona, New Mexico, um, Utah, you know, uh, they're all in a geographical cluster, which when things start appearing in clusters, and these are supposed to be, um, you know, uh, air spacecraft from other planets, um, why would they just stay in one area? Uh, If they were truly interested in what was going on here, they would be all over the damn place. Um, Let me see, I'm I'm just going over some of my notes. Apparently, you know, what I what I did get out of uh, Attachment 4 was that there was a lot of in-house fighting over who's really in control of this. The Air Force, the CIA, uh, MJ-12. There was a lot of, uh, you know, there was a lot of in-house fighting over this. So, but that's, <clears throat> that's to be expected. Um, Where's... Project Aquarius was interesting because Project Aquarius was the one that we had this EBE or EB or whatever the hell we want to call them, you know, an actual living biomatter, whatever kind of person thing it was. So, but my thought on this, honestly, if we had a, he was supposed to have lived for an exceptionally long period of time, one would think we would have extracted a hell of a lot more information. You know, um, we should have extracted a hell of a lot more information based on him being alive. We should have, the first thing we should have extracted is how does your damn spaceship fly? What are all these fucking buttons for? That'd be my thought. Just saying. Okay. Um, we'll save us a lot of trouble and then it wouldn't have got Bob, Bob Lazar and his whack ass stories involved. Um, <clears throat> They do note here in one of the, I just want to read which page this is, page six six of nine, so it's page six, um, that they derived from the alien, that the the Air Force uh, derived from interviewing, that the the aliens were interested uh, in our nuclear weapons. And our government was afraid that the aliens would steal our nuclear weapons. 
which doesn't make sense in a way because if they could fly that fucking far, you know, 39, 38, 39 light years away, I'm sure they're well beyond nuclear weapons. I mean, that's just... You see what I'm saying? As <clears throat> You have to analyze when, when people make statements or statements are written. You know, you have to analyze the um, the real context of a state uh, a statement, a written statement. Like I, if you read my book, Abstract Thoughts, <clears throat> you know, it, it goes over that. Uh, it says we must continue to track alien movement until it is determined that the alien future plans containing contain no threat for national security of, of the civilization of Earth. Poorly phrased, but uh, we get the point. <clears throat> now, here, here's the problem. Like I said, again, if they're able to travel 39 light years, do you think that if they put possess a threat to us, what are we going to do? You know what we're going to do? We ain't going to be doing shit. Okay, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're not doing nothing. We're, we're, we're going to, it's going to be war of the worlds all over again. And just hope Orson Welles was right in the, our, our bad bacteria and, you know, COVID whack them before they get to us. Um, I'm just trying, I'm just going over some more of these pages, nine of nine. Subproject under under Project Aquarius, uh, Project uh, Bando. A, didn't know about that one. Established in '49, its mission was to collect and evaluate medical information from surviving alien creatures and recovered alien bodies. The project was um, <clears throat> the project medically examined EB and provided the United States medical uh, researchers with certain answers to the evolution. Theory. Um, okay, well, if it had, where where's this information? Because it hasn't shown up in any of the archaeological uh, <clears throat> um, publications I've read since uh, 1978. So I don't know where the hell that shit went then. Uh, <clears throat> project Gleam uh, in '54 became a separate project in '76. Its mission was to establish communications with aliens, well, I thought we were already drawing pictures with these these people or whatever the hell we were doing with them. Um, the United States established primitive communications with the aliens on April 25th, 1964. USFAF intelligence officer met the two aliens at a prearranged location in the desert of New Mexico. We don't meet anywhere but New Mexico, and, and like, why do we gotta meet in a damn desert? I mean, shit, there ain't even a freaking restroom or a damn pizza joint around there to get food if you get hungry. I mean, you gotta meet them out in the damn desert. You know, craps. I wonder why the hell I don't like it here. I, I'd leave this place, too. Um, let's see. Uh, there's another one, it's called, uh, Project Midnight, originally established as part of a Project Gleam in 54, became a separate project in 76, and a mission to establish. We already went over this, and nothing of any consistent value. Uh, <clears throat> the contact lasted for approximately three hours, based on the alien's language given to us by EBE, or EB, the uh, contained... Eh, there's nothing in here that's even worth really mentioning. It's just a bunch of... It's just a, a bunch of bolstered words to make it seem like something actually already happened. Would you, 
<clears throat> which it didn't, apparently. Um, trying to find... Let's see what else we got here. Okay, so let's, let's get a little better understanding of... Uh, the Majestic 12. The Majestic 12 is also known as MJ-12 uh, for short. It is a, according to Wikipedia, it is a purported organization that appears in UFO conspiracy theories. Well, it's not a conspiracy theory because it actually did exist. Again, bad phrasing. The, origi the origination is claimed that the code name of the, uh, the secret committee of scientists led a government officials formed, it was, okay, so we know it was formed in, in 40, 47. Um, you know, it doesn't really say much more about them. We, we already know what's going on, so we don't have to really dive into that. Um, let me see, what else, what else do we have here that may be somewhat helpful? Okay, let's get a better understanding of, um, Area 51. Uh, Area 51 was designed and built in 1955, which <clears throat> was, you know, almost a decade after um, <clears throat> the reported crash in uh, in Roswell. The specific reason for the development of Area 51 had nothing to do with aliens. It had nothing to do with anything. <clears throat> what it had to do with, and I, I read a lot of declassified documents, and we'll go through some of the documents. Uh, the CIA has a history of the U-2 spy plane. It was declassified only last summer, and it sparked enormous public attention to the U-2 secret test site, also known as uh, Area 51 in Nevada. Again, another damn desert. I don't know what the hell this thing is with the desert. Cripes sakes, find a beach. Um, you know, the, doc the document one, two doesn't really show anything. Document three holds a lot of um, a lot of photographs. Uh, document four and five uh, release of photos of the. Uh, Facilities taken by Skylab. I mean, we all we already know what the hell the facility looks like. Um, one of the initial uh, aircraft was the uh, F-17 Stealth. Now I can see these being—they look like a spaceship. They look like a uh, a spacecraft. Not an aircraft. They look like a spacecraft. Um, the F-17s were also deployed. Uh, in Iraq and Desert Storm. Um, they were also kind of considered the bird of prey and uh, Tackett Blues. So, document 10 is basically filled with mathematical an analysis, analysis by Russian physicist and engineer P. I can't even spell that last, I can't even pronounce that last name, but it's, it's a Russian last name. Uh, the former Lockheed Skunk Works Director. Okay, <clears throat> basically, basically what Area 51 was developed for was the exper experimentation of the F-17, the U-2, the MiG-21, 
Um, and it was also with the, the MiG-21, a project t entitled Abdonut. Well, that's a good, it's an interesting name. Um, <clears throat> from some uh, enthusiasts, Area 51 was a clandestine site for UFOs and, and extraterrestrials, but is better understood as a U.S. government facility for testing of a number of U.S. secret aircraft during the Cold War, which included the U-2, the Oxcart, the F-17, and I know at that time they had some MiGs there. They were secret, secretly obtained from uh, the Soviet Union, so we did a lot of, uh, <clears throat> we did a lot of, uh, we still we stole a lot of people's airplanes when we shot them down. But if you actually go over all of these uh, over 50 documents, uh, nothing You know, they refer to it as a Nevada test site. There's nothing in any of these documents indicating that there were uh, any type of uh, any type of uh, alien spacecraft bodies. Now, let me tell you one thing. Okay, now that we're on Area 51, uh, <clears throat> an earlier segment I did that was kind of I don't know if it was overlooked by listeners, but we, um, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar um, has been the individual credited for opening up the, in 1988, opening up the Area 51 conspiracy theory. Uh, <clears throat> the majority of information that Lazar mentioned that was supposed to be all new and this and that, uh, <clears throat> like... Um, uh, MJ, he, he says his clearance was majestic. Well, no, it wasn't because the Majestic 12, their clearance was majestic, and you definitely were not part of the Majestic 12, which was there in 47, almost 40 years prior to 41 years, prior, 31 years prior to your um, coming up with the conspiracy theory. Um, He, he speaks of working on a uh, spacecraft from the Zeta Reticuli um, constellation. Uh, like I said, Zeta Reticuli, the constellation of uh, Zeta Reticuli had also actually been identified in 1755, uh, and it was on a it was on a um, a chart made by uh, an astronomer at that time. And uh, as I had already mentioned, Zeta Reticuli, uh, even with the use of our high-powered telescopes and satellites, has not produced any evidence that there is any type of uh, planet, planetoid, or any other type of solid object in that area. So... Um, Again, this was the same guy who said that he had discovered element 115, which is not true because element 115 could have been discovered in, I believe it was 1944. The two components uh, that we had developed as, uh, as, as the chemical compounds already, and they showed up on the periodic charts, um, <clears throat> the combining lifespan of uh, 
those two elements is uh, is milliseconds. So, um, and if it's found over 110, it is a not a solid component or element. It is a manufactured component of two or more um, elements, components, whatever one wants to consider it. Um, the interesting thing was I got a good freaking laugh out of this one is that he says that he has never failed a polygraph test. Well, that's not exactly true because he took a lot of polygraph tests that he never passed. Uh, his his education uh, level that he says he has has never been confirmed. Um, he reports that the federal government had raided his uh, his business twice in an attempt to search for uh, element 115. <clears throat> and neither one of those cases is true because they had looked at the actual warrants. And anybody that knows anything about police warrants will tell you simply that um, warrants specific, specifically identify locations and what they are looking for. Neither warrant mentioned element 115. They were looking for basically what they considered biohazard or radioactive chemical compounds that um, Lazar's company had been shipping over state lines. One was actually used in a homicide, so uh, his his story about them looking for um, looking for element 115 is 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 not true. Um, and then again, I, I love this in his interview, and this was an interview with Jeremy Corbell. You know what? Two corkscrews. I swear to God. Uh, Corbell pulls off this thing uh, that, uh, you know, uh, Lazar said that he was in a top-secret area. Um, and by the way, he was only a, uh, he worked for a subcontractor. He was never, he was never directly hired for Los Alamos uh, as an employee. He shows up in their, uh, their um, telephone book as a subcontractor. If you look on the side, it'll give you the initials of the, uh, the uh that he worked for, um, he says that he had to go through it. Now, this was 1988, remind you. He made these claims that he used to have to put his hand on this pad and it would read his bone structure density, yada, 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 yada. And it was high technology. Well, quite honestly, you know what the problem with that one was? And I'll, and I'll leave you leave you at the note with this because we're going into like 35 minutes is that um, the hand scan so Corbell pulls out this picture of this freaking hand scanner and, and Lazar goes oh my god I thought I'd never see that again well that's bullshit because um, one that that hand scanner was uh, developed in 1971 it was used uh, it was used as as a, a form of IDing an individual, but you know what really what really took to put the icing on the cake was the same hand scanner that uh, um, both Laser and Corbell said was such top secret. It showed up in the 1977 movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind, and I got a picture of it. So. 
With that, this is Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. Just remember, don't believe everything you hear. If you're in a dark room, dark place, somewhere dark where you probably really shouldn't be, make sure you know where the back door, side door, or some way to get the hell out of that place is. And if you hear footsteps, you better run, or I will probably be um, doing an episode about you. Until then, I will see you later.